0: Welcome to episode 93 of the United Pubcast. Manchester United are finally back. We've waited three long months for this. The football's back. And in hindsight, I don't know if I'm happy about it. Tom, what do you reckon?
1: Well, when Tottenham scored their first goal, I was thinking, is it a possibility to go back into lockdown? Um, A little bit happier at full time, but um, I was dreading my decision um, when obviously Bergwijn scored the opening goal.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And we were saying before kickoff, like the stress levels that football brings. It's just like, I don't know if what's more unhealthy, the pandemic going on or the stress levels that football brings. But anyway, um, so obviously we're going to break it, break down the Tottenham match. Um, we got a draw, obviously, 1-1. And we'll go through our 3 21s ones They're back. And we'll go through some comments that our loyal listeners have dropped in for us. So, Tom, let's not waste any time. Um Let's rip into some key points So the Spurs goal Which you, you've just referred to um, Bergwin, is that how you say his name?
1: It's Bergwijn, I think
0: Bergwijn, right, so Bergwijn has scored um, Shaw's gone for the header It's obviously not gone to Rashford It's fallen in Bergwine's path Harry Maguire's been Burnt for pace A lot has been made about, is it Lindelof's fault He didn't cover, is it De Gea's fault With the save, talk to me How do you, how do you assess this goal?
1: Look, the Maguire one is what we, not what we expect from Maguire, but it's almost if mistake, if Maguire's going to have a mistake, it's that type of mistake where he's flat-footed and someone can use their pace to go in behind him. We'll obviously touch on De Gea in a little bit, and obviously he's at fault, and if it's better goalkeeping, the goal obviously doesn't go in. But for me, it all stems from Luke Shaw, and I don't, don't want to be over, overly critical of him, but the header, I do not know what he was trying to do. He had five different options he could have chosen, And that just trying to sort of place a header, was it Rashford he was trying to pass to?
0: I'm not sure. I mean, I think it was Rashford or
1: Fred Offit who it was, but it was just out of 10 things he could have done, that was the worst option he could have taken. And again, there's two horrible mistakes after that, but it's all prevented if Luke Shaw um, doesn't do that stupid header.
0: Look, I'm with you. I think he's, look, it's a poor header, no doubt about it. But, like, you know, I play in defense, and, uh, you know, from when you're young, you're just told if. If the ball's not on, just get it out. You know, that's the safest place to be when you're trying to get some sort of clearance. Um, but you know what? Looking at it, I can't say, yes, it stems from sure, but that happens, especially with heading the ball. i got to say, Maguire's positioning was really poor, especially when you consider he's not the quickest, right? Like, for me, he needs to be closer to Bergwine so he can react when he gets the ball. Like, from Bergwine's point of view, it's, it's a dream. He's got a slow defender. And then Lindelof... It's just a series of errors, basically. Lindelof needs to be tucked in behind. If you, if you look at the higher shot, you can see that Lindelof reacts, but it's almost a second too late, and he's not the quickest either. Um, and you can see when bissakas actually started coming across. And then De Gea is just... Well, let's let's just start going into well, what well, Roy Keane...
1: Before you mention De Gea, and obviously we'll get into yeah. that, but I think they're in regards to you can almost fault every single defender being out of position... I think when you individualise every single defender, yes, you can make that claim. But it, again, it all stems from sure it's, it's so dangerous when you lose the ball in that part of the pitch. The, that part of the pitch for the opposition has their quick players, has their attacking players. So as soon as that transition starts, it's a nightmare for defenders. They're always going to be maybe five or six metres out of position. So it's always going to be hard. Obviously, you can do better. Maguire has to do better. De Gea has to do better. But again, and again, I don't want to pick on Luke Shaw here, but I think it all stems from a stupid decision. But as you say, if, Maguire, if De Gea makes the save, we're not talking about the Luke Shaw header. So I think you just have to take it on the chin as a team. The whole team was at fault.
0: Look, that's valid. And look, before we go into De Gea and what Roy Keane had to say, um, what did you think of his performance? Because if you look through Twitter, some people were saying he was brilliant. Other people think he was garbage. Where do you sit? Because in my opinion, I thought he was terrible. I thought he put himself in positions to get forward, but just offered no quality. He kept cutting in, which, you know, then he's cutting off Rashford's space. And just like, he just had an awful performance for me.
1: I thought the thing was short, and it, it reminded me of Man City and Pep Guardiola in terms of this new thing they do, or not new thing, but it, uh, it's sort of reported as this new thing where Pep has his fullbacks tucking in and almost into central midfield when they have the ball. And the reason Pep Guardiola does that is to when City do lose the ball, because nine times out of ten, where you lose the ball is in the middle of the pitch. And if they have their full-backs in the middle of the pitch, when they lose the ball, they suddenly have more bodies in there and they can win the ball back quicker. But I don't think that's what Oli was doing by moving Luke Shaw in. So when Harry Maguire or Victor Lindelof had the ball, Luke Shaw was almost moving inside into midfield. I don't think it was for that reasoning. I think the reasoning, and this is just a guess... Was to try and get the ball out to Rashford a little bit easier, sort of create the channel where he could get a free pass and isolate himself with um, Serge Aurier. But um, obviously, Rashford wasn't, didn't have the game of his life, sort of thing, so it didn't quite eventuate. But it was a weird, I didn't really understand that, because it looked to me an instruction by Oli in terms of Shaw's positioning, not so much Shaw himself.
0: Yeah, well, the, the main culprit of the goal um, was David De Gea. Um, as we've touched on, Roy Keane, um, geez, if there's one thing you can say is he's honest and whatever he feels, he will, he will definitely say it. I'm going to read his comments, Tom, and um, let's just say he was very harsh. Um, staggered that he, referring to Maguire, can get done like this. Ender Heyer, I am sick to death of this goalkeeper. I would be fighting him at half time. There's no getting away from it. I'd be swinging punches. A harsh assessment of the captain and a very harsh assessment of uh, David De Gea. What do you think? Um, Is he out of line? Do you agree with these comments?
1: Look, you say Roy Keane's always got to be honest. And, and And I love Roy Keane to death. I'm still waiting to sort of designate a whole podcast to him. But do you think he's being honest or do you think he's playing this one up for the cameras? Because personally, I don't buy it. I think it's first game back. The producer's been in his ears saying, look, try and say something controversial. I, I don't, look, I think Keane's definitely sort of right in his criticism and definitely believes his criticism. But I think it's over the top and over the top on purpose by Roy Keane.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't buy this. He doesn't care about the media. He knows his job is media and that's that's the purpose of, you know you want to get a bite or a sound bite as they say so you can put up those little clippets on twitter and get us talking about it on a podcast um look for me it was a little harsh um I know De Gea hasn't been in amazing form but you got to say it does continue this dip off which we've seen in the last 18 months which is now bordering for two years you know these clangers of his they're they're becoming a reoccurring theme and look it's a concern for me I, I think he because you've got to say, in the grand scheme of things, United were the better side, and without that error, perhaps we go on to win. Because you, you have to, looking at the game, Tottenham changed completely, and the game changed completely. They found some sort of fluidity and rhythm after that goal.
1: Yeah, it's hard. Um, I was just thinking, it's not a debate if we don't have Dean Henderson out online performing well. We'll put this down to a bad season, maybe a bad, a bad 18 months. And it's not even bad. It's below par for De Gea's standards. So, look, whatever side someone sits on, on the fence in regards to De Gea v. Henderson, which I'm sure we'll have plenty of debates over the coming weeks about, I don't think no one's wrong. Um, but I just have a big fear of letting De Gea go, who's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. I don't, can we call Dean Henderson one of the best goalkeepers in the world? I wouldn't say so. But we have one in De Gea. And I don't think we're in a position to be sort of getting rid of the players who are the best in their position. So, um, look, I understand both sides of the argument and sort of both sides are extremely valid. But at the moment, De Gea doesn't really sort of help himself, I don't think.
0: I'm with you. And you know what? People are looking at Dean Henderson, but like if we're really being honest with ourselves, is he better than De Gea, even with the season he's having? For me, I don't think so. But... Anyway, we'll continue on with the podcast. It's a debate for another day. Um, I just want to come back to Shaw. Uh, Obviously, we've already sort of debated whether he played well or not and his positioning in this formation that Solskjaer went with. Um, Do you think he has done enough in this game to keep his spot or do you think it's, you know, Brendan Williams should come in? I just want to see what you're thinking there. Because in my opinion, I just feel from what we've seen this season, um, Brendan Williams just offers a lot more, he stretches the defence, he's more energetic and I just think he might actually benefit the team as a whole better.
1: Yeah, for, well, for me, for Brendan Williams comes in the next game, but I think we'll get drawn into this discussion, I think, over the next coming weeks. I mean, it's already happening now in terms of Pogba and Fred and everyone, Matic especially, of players being dropped. Well, I don't think we... Look, sometimes a player will be dropped and deserve to be dropped, but I don't think that's the sort of terminology we need to be using now because every single player is going to have to be left out in terms of fitness and the fixture pile-up. So there's going to have to come a time where Brendan Williams will have to come in for sure, just to give Shaw a rest because he can't keep playing every single game because there'll be so many sort of fixtures on top of each other. But in regards to sort of the definition of the word dropped in a football sense, yeah, I think you have to drop him after that performance if Brendan Williams is fit and ready to go.
0: No debates from me. Let's talk about Dan James a little bit. Um, obviously, we saw Solskjaer, the team list came out, and I think most people were saying this is a pretty good lineup. Um, but in the back of my head, I always thought, Jose's going to sit back here. What did you think of the choice to play Dan James? Because um, when you look at what Greenwood did when he came on, it seems to be the wrong choice. And if you think about Dan James' strength, was it the right call to start him in this game?
1: Well, it was the right call for me at the start of the game. Obviously, in hindsight, it's definitely the wrong decision. But before the game, I was saying pick Daniel James. And I was speaking to a mate of mine earlier today. And he was saying, well, because I was thinking in terms of the football I've watched so far during the during the lockdown, it was obviously the Bundesliga. And players have been so unfit and games have become stretched and stretched really early. Almost in the well into the first half, games have become really stretched. So I thought Daniel James would be able to sort of take advantage of that. But he said, um, my mate was saying that, well, did you expect that from a Mourinho side? And I thought, well, yeah, even in this unique circumstance, I thought a Mourinho side would be stretched. But credit to both Premier League teams here and pretty much every Premier League game I've seen so far is that the players have come back a lot fitter. And it was almost just an all- It was a little bit slower, but the players were fit and obviously rusty at times. But the game was extremely compact. And I think we've all, all sort of in agreement that um a compact game where there's not much, not much space on the ball, um is an ideal for Daniel James. So I think this game you saw when Mason Greenwood came on. I think even not just Greenwood, I think one matcher out on the right would have been better suited. But in saying that, at the start of the game, I was happy with Daniel James's inclusion. I I would have picked him. So um it's very easy in hindsight to say was the wrong decision
0: yeah well look that's true i think as we go on most teams will park the bus against us so i'll be interesting to see how ollie uses dan james going forward but tom let's focus on some positives um you know we're talking about players being fitter let's talk about the biggest player coming back fit and firing paul pogba he comes on no pressure your team's behind but we need to salvage a point point. and boy did he make an impact how good was he
1: yeah, I think it's almost just as simple as saying, look, our best player came on and played well. That's what happens if your best player plays well. He um, was just dominated from pretty much the moment he got on the ball. Um, I think it's as simple as that. I, there was the post before the game with the hashtag Pogback from him, which is a little bit everyone thought, well, maybe he's starting, but um, obviously Oli did hold him back. And I thought the, the criticism of Oli, because obviously Pogba came on and did so well, immediately the criticism shifted to Solskjaer. saying, Oh, well, why didn't you start him? But you know what would have happened if he started? He would have limped off after 15 minutes and everyone would have said, why did you start him? So um, I thought Solskjaer about the use of Pogba, bang on. Just a shame he came on at 1-0 down, not at, nil, not at nil all.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just... I'm wondering now, what do we do going forward? I think it's clear to see that Fernandez and Pogba can play in the same side. They definitely matched well together and I saw when Pogba did come on. The, the frustration at this point of the game... Uh, prior to his inclusion was midfield just was not getting the ball to the forward players Um, I've seen people say Martial was non-existent and it's his job to go looking for the ball um, Rashford etc and I agree with that sentiment however if the midfield cannot get the ball to those players in positions where they can actually you know flex their muscle or show their ability on the ball then there's not really much for them to do and Pogba coming on obviously did do that he he made Eric Dier look absolutely ridiculous in the lead-up to the penalty. Jose doesn't think it's a penalty. Um, Jose, you're with the dinosaurs, mate. You're alone on that one. But does Pogba start the next game? Is it as simple as that? Obviously, we've got Sheffield United next week, midweek. Do you start Fernandez and Pogba?
1: For, well, for us all watching the game here and playing our own version of football manager, 100% him and Bruno come straight in. But there is going to have to be a time where we're going to have to just rely on Solskjaer and the medical staff to just monitor everyone's individual fitness levels. And it might be a case if Pogba starts, but Bruno needs a rest. Um, obviously, if we're picking it up just on paper, if we're picking a cup final, it's Pogba and Bruno all day. But um, I think it's out of our hands. There are so many games you know, short amount of time. Um, fingers crossed it is the case, but I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed with some of the players, as I said before, I wouldn't say, use the word dropped, but I think it is going to be a sort of mix and match. I don't think we're going to see consistent sort of team selection.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, and obviously, we'll do a Sheffield United preview um, and see if Bruno and Pogba match you, up together. Who but, do you
1: think they're out of? OK, we've both got Pogba yeah. and Bruno as our two players there. Out of what you saw, out of Matic, McTominay and Fred, if we've got a big, important game on next week or something, who's the that deeper line player?
0: For me, it's Matic. Um, I thought he made such a big difference when he came on. And I know everyone was focused on Pogba and Bruno, and rightfully so, but he was just getting the ball out of defence or getting the ball from a deeper area into midfield just so much quicker than what was happening at any point prior prior to his inclusion. I think he is crucial, Matic. He's the best on the ball. He's the best footballer between Fred McTominay and himself. And... Yes, I understand he's a yard slower, but against most teams, we're going to keep the ball. So it's a no-brainer for me. I think it's Matic, Bruno, Pogba. Um, now, how you line that up in a 4-2-3-1, in a 4-3-3, um, you know, if you want to utilise a diamond and then chuck in a McTominay or a Fred, I think all those options work, but he's the deep-lying midfielder for me.
1: Um, well, you are just speaking there, just you just brought to my attention. You are just speaking about yeah. speed and some being slow. Can we please address the elephant in the room? What is that? Bloody D-Cups in the middle of the pitch, John Moss. He should never referee a game again. He, he's like that, sort of the, you see on a Sunday league, the, in the over 35s, that fat guy who, who thinks he can run. But when his legs get going, he goes nowhere. And I thought, for, for both teams, I thought he was horrible for both teams. But um, obviously players are going to be a little bit rusty coming back, and I can accept that from a referee. But how much timber is he carrying? He shouldn't be on the pitch with the Premier League players, in my opinion. And that's not to be harsh. I'm just... That's facts.
0: Look, he he is a big man, no doubt. Probably has had a few too many pies and enjoyed his Sunday roast at home. But, look, if I'm being honest, I think being a referee in a... This is going to be the most sensible thing you'll ever hear from me on this podcast, by the way. So please clip it up. It'll never happen again. Um, I think being a referee, particularly in the Premier League, is so difficult and... As long as you do not make absolutely ridiculous decisions that influence the result of the game, much like we saw in the Sheffield United-Aston Villa match, then I can almost live that live with the fact that referees will make errors. Overall, yeah, some things were strange. Like, for example, Dan James getting kicked. I think it was by Dyer. And then he's come back and retaliated. Dan James gets a card, but it should have been dealt with prior to that. I'll tell you what, that it's one reminded
1: me of, which is the one we spoke yeah. a couple of weeks ago, the Raphael and Vardy away at Leicester, that... In that
0: five-three game, very similar, yeah. But yeah, it's those sorts of instances that frustrate me from a referee. But nonetheless, we could do a we could do many podcasts about referees, but then we'd have no listeners. Um, Tom, what did you think of? Well, something that's probably gone overlooked in this change when Pogba and Greenwood came on was the change in formation. We went to a back three, um, and that seemed to have Matic, um the the centre back um, or the central centre back of the three, um, but almost in that midfield three structure that we were talking about. And the, we saw Pogba on the left, Bruno sent, seems had moved to the right at that point. Um, do you think that that's a formation he's u- looking at utilising throughout this period? Or perhaps was it just some tactical fluidi- fluidity um, just to, you know, obviously considering we were chasing the goal?
1: Yeah, I think maybe of chasing the goal. But I don't think, in my opinion, again, the game kicked off at five o'clock in the morning here in Sydney. I don't think it was so much a tactical change or formation change. I think we just got a hold of the ball and Matic sort of takes up that area on the pitch. And it just enabled us to get forward a lot more. So one Bissaka stepped forward and Matic sort of took that role in between the two centre-backs. I wouldn't really say it was changed or back three. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'd have to re-watch the match. But I don't think it was a real change in formation in my opinion. I think we just got on the front foot. And I think a lot of that was down to, well, as you say, Newman you Matic. But also Tottenham maybe retreating because of the threat Paul Pogba sort of posed.
0: Well, I will correct you. It definitely did go to a back three. So it was uh, Maguire, Matic and McTominay, um, which is why Bayi then came on towards the end. And then he had uh, wan Basaka and Shaw as the wing-backs. So it's good to see that you've done your homework, but nonetheless, I do take your point.
1: Thank you. Thank you as always.
0: (laughs) All right, so Tom, let's look forward to Sheffield United a little bit. Um, Just things to improve on. You know, obviously we're one game down, the team will get better. Who were... Players who, looking at this side, you would say, OK, they didn't play very well, but they'll definitely be better for it.
1: I think every everyone, every single player will be better off. Even Pogba will be better off. Bruno will be better off. Um, all the Sheffield United players will be better off for their game. So um, I think in terms of players who had a below-par game who I'd expect or I'd want to play again, I'd say Juan Pissarco would be a touch sharper, I think. You know, he'd play up a little bit more space, as, well, as much space as he did have at Tottenham. I think we get a little bit more space at home against Sheffield, especially the way they play three at the back. I think will they'll sort of be pushed further back in terms of. I assume Mason Greenwood will play, which will sort of force their wing backs further back to allow Wamba's help to get on the ball. In midfield, I think Matic comes in. Um, I think he deserves a start now. Up front, I think it's an interesting one. I think maybe Rashford maybe comes out, maybe give him a breather. I think he'll be the one that sits out for me. May maybe instead sort of shift um, Martial out wide
0: and put a Galo up front. That's interesting. Um, I personally would not do that, but I can definitely take make a case for it. Um, I, we really didn't see a Galo get too involved, did we? When he came on, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. Oli definitely does have options now. I just want to sort of go back to the defense a little bit. Um, what do you, what do you think about the centre back problem? Because it is a problem. In my opinion, I don't think it's something that a lot of United fans probably brush over. They look at midfield, they look at the right wing spot, and yes, maybe they're more obvious. But as we've already highlighted in this match, Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof, it doesn't always work, does it? And for me, when you have a centre-half who's obviously lacking so much pace in Maguire, you need a real pace machine to compensate for that. I think, you know, Vidic wasn't slow by any means, but he had the legs of Ferdinand behind him. Um, you think of, you know, even in 99, um, Just uh, for me, I think Eric Bay is the one who really could take an opportunity here. I think he's a better defender overall than Lindelof. I think he's powerful, he's aggressive, he's quick. And if he can stay fit, in my opinion, that would be our best and a half partnership. Now, that's, it might seem harsh on Lindelof, considering he wasn't the main culprit. For that goal, but I just think overall, Maguire's is the better player. So you need to do something to accommodate him. Um, what do you, where do you sit in the in terms of our center house? What's the best partnership?
1: No, hundred percent. In terms of attributes, that sort are of complementing each other, it's definitely play Eric Bay next to Maguire. But you you can't skip over the sort of elephant in the room in terms of no pun intended in terms of being from Ivory Coast, but. Eric Bay, he just cannot stay fit. And it's, it's great on paper to say, yeah, he can come in, play next to Maguire. But let's face it, he's going to be injured soon.
0: Well, we'll see. I think if he gets his opportunity and he takes it with two hands, he can definitely displace Lindelof. Um, so, all right, well, Tom, you know what it's time for. It's time for the Facebook comments because we've got loyal listeners and they've shown us some love and they want to get their thoughts in. So I'm just going to bring those up. I probably should have planned ahead and popped them up before. But anyway, we've had Joshua mention um, that Martial, my man Martial, went missing today um, and he didn't play very well. Um, Joshua, I've, I've p- picked you out first because I am going to disagree with you. Yes, I agree that he probably should have gotten more involved. I thought there was one opportunity he definitely should have taken. The second opportunity, you have to put your hands up and say Lloris just made an unreal save. Um, I thought in the moment he showed glimpses, but look, he does need to get more involved. I think he... But for me, he's still our number one striker. Do you, Any disagreements, Tom?
1: At the moment, he's our number one striker, but I think we can still debate. And again, there may be more pressing issues, but I still think a striker is... Um, sort of should be on Solskjaer's um, transfer list because I think, think today was the perfect case for Martial in terms of when Martial plays well, fantastic. But when Martial plays bad... Marshall plays bad. I, I, it's a lazy... Comp- it's not even a comparison at all, but yesterday I was watching a video of Rude van Nistroy, And if Rude van Nistrooy was having a bad game, you thought he'd still score a goal. If Marshall's having a bad game, it's 10 players on the pitch.
0: Yeah, but is that not more a criticism of the midfield not getting the ball to him? Because in my opinion, he there was just honestly no opportunity for him. It wasn't that... You know, when you think of Rooney's bad games, Rooney would have games where his touch wasn't there or... His positioning wasn't right, some rustiness. I felt when Martial had the ball, he was actually all right. He looked sharp in front of goal. It's just that he didn't get involved enough.
1: Oh, yeah, look, I think it was a combination of many things. I mean, again, you don't want to be overly critical. It's their first game back. Um, He'll obviously be much better off for it. Um, I just thought, yeah, well, with a better striker, I don't want to say there's too many better strikers out there than Martial, but I think if we had the world's best striker in there, I think we have sort of maybe a little bit more dangerous today.
0: Fair enough. Uh, We've had Adrian. Decent game. Different Spurs side to when the break started. Three key plays returned for them. Kane, Son and Sissoko. Like you guys said on previous podcasts, away at Spurs and a draw is a good, good result. I'm spot on. Look, of course, I think United were definitely the better side there, but... Look, th- three points would have been ideal, but I don't think one point against someone, an a rival going for top four, it's definitely not a bad result.
1: So many so many people have lost their shit over the result, and I understand we're all so excited to get it back. I mean, you wait three months and then it's over in 90 minutes. So I understand the frustration of United not winning. But you have to look, Tottenham away is our hardest game left this season. You can, you can argue Leicester on the last day, but um, that'll be a unique circumstance in regards to what, whatever situation we find ourselves in. But away at Tottenham to get a point there for not to be beaten by a Mourinho team this year. I think mean, the hats off to Oli. Yes, I would have preferred a win, but God, it wasn't that bad, I don't think.
0: Yeah. Uh, Robert, a loyal, a loyal listener for a long time now. Pogba, man of the match, came on with an instant impact. Very up and down game. Says he'll take the point, especially after falling behind. Thought the strikers were rusty, but says great penalty from Bruno to equalise and thought Mason was good off the bench. Spot on. I uh, can't, disagree there. Georgia said nobody was men of the match. Maybe Pogba for the lead up to the penalty All the hype around this game and how crucial it was for us to win. John Moss is men of the match. Um, look, George, I think Tom's already touched on it. No one's disagreeing with you. Um, if, but George Moss definitely won't be winning any marathons anytime soon. And lastly, we'll touch on Cameron's comment. Um, Don't you think we need a new goalkeeper? Henderson for me. David De Gea is just making too many mistakes. Awful, can't go top four with this clown. Oof. Jeez, I almost think that's harsher than what Roy Keane said.
1: Yeah, Tom De Hayes probably been our player of the decade. I had to call him a clown. I'm sorry, I think that's stupid.
0: Yeah, um, sorry Cameron. Look, thanks for dropping your comment, mate. But uh, yeah, I've got to disagree with that one. Alright Tom, speaking of men of the match, John Moss, Paul Pogba, 3 two, ones. Who you got? I'll give you the honours. Number three, who was our best player?
1: Well, three for me. That's, God. Look, there is a case for Pogba to come on and, and get it in terms of the impact he had. Um, but I think in terms of the balance of a whole match, which I think you do need to take into account. And, and look, his performance did come in under some criticism by some people. But I thought Bruno, I thought, again, I just looked at the quality he brought. And I thought, Cash your mind back to a few years ago in that type of game, if we had, I don't know, Fellaini in there, or Pereira, or Ander Herrera, who I loved Ander Herrera, but his quality in there, or Morgan Schneiderlin or whoever in that midfield position now just, you don't have that quality and that sort of forward momentum that he generates, and yeah, Bruno for me especially the goal, I was about to say match-winning goal, but obviously the equaliser but um, I'd say Bruno for me, for three points
0: no arguments from me. I thought Bruno was fantastic. Yes, he was... But again, you have to put in into context. It is their first game back. You almost have to take it like it's the first game of the season. Because in many respects, it is. <clears throat> they don't get a three-month break when it's an off-season to a new season, um, considering most of these guys are internationals. So I thought, he, I thought he played really well. You know what I love about Bruno? He pa- almost passes with the movement as the ball comes to him, which means that offenders don't have time to react. His brain's always a step ahead, and that, that always is definitely going to get better as the games go on. Well, there was, um, there was one point, two, just, just sorry, sorry to but there yeah. was
1: one point there in regards to the players who I mentioned we've had in previous seasons. And I look back, sadly, who's been the best team in recent seasons, obviously, in Manchester City. And obviously, De Bruyne and Silva have been so key to their midfield in terms of the way they play. And I just watched Bruno Fernandes today, I just a couple of minutes ago, I just finished a, sort of his two minute, three minute highlight package of the game, of all these touches. And from what I saw, you could almost put that exact same player in that dominant Manchester City team, and he looked like he'd fit like a glove. And I think that's a player we haven't had for so long, and that quality is you just have to embrace it when it's here because it's been a while since we've had it. One
0: hundred percent. Number two, should I take the honors?
1: Please, please, because I actually I'm struggling for one point, so I'll be interested to see who you have for two.
0: Uh, for me, it's Pogba. Um, he's. Like you touched on, he came on, he made an instant impact. He's obviously played a key role in securing the penalty, which Bruno finished. He, he got the forward players going. I felt like Rashford and Martial... That ball for Rashford, by the way. Whoo, that was uh, ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. That, he should get was, two points just yeah, for that.
1: World class. That, that, that was a sign. of. It. If anyone's going to doubt his... Quali- you can doubt his contribution, but you can't doubt his quality. That was... I can't think of too many players... Who hit that pass And I include Bruno in that In terms of the power he generated From the ball being out Or sort of inside his touch in range You like couldn't really get it out of his feet Just had to stab at it Get the backspin on it To hold the ball up for Rashford It was just a shame Rashford's I don't think the touch was too bad um, But the touch obviously did let him down
0: It's just sharpness for me I think Rashford in two or three games time Would finish that um, And then number one I've got a player in mind But I think I'll chuck it to you first Let's see if we end up debating this one
1: I think we're up for a debate because I have no idea. I don't, I'm not going to give it to Harry Maguire, but I don't think Maguire was as bad as Pip made out. The, the mistake stands out, and that's why I can't give him the point for it because it's a, a match-defining mistake. But Do you remember, okay, that's Harry Maguire. Do you remember there was another Harry on the pitch?
0: Who, Harry Winks?
1: Well, actually, three Harrys. I was talking about Harry Kane in terms of just kept him. just quite, I can't remember Harry Kane until he had a free kick in about the 70th or 80th minute, I think. Um, I thought Harry Maguire did a fantastic job on him And, and Lindelof to be fair as well I thought Wan-Bissaka was Look, it was a Wan-Bissaka performance Nothing got past him But again, on the ball going forward um, He played more than Rusty He was probably one of the most Rusty players on the pitch I think maybe Matic is within a shout for one Just in terms of the calmness he brought And I thought it was If he didn't bring that I'm not sure how the match would have um, ended up So I think I'd probably opt for Matic
0: I'm with you. I almost wanted to give it to. Uh, I wanted to give it to. For me, it was between Wambasaka and Matic. Um, I thought, yes, Wambasaka was quite frustrating going forward at times. I think he just. Looking at the way he plays, I think his brain just ticks over really quickly when he's getting into those forward positions. And you just want him to just get in early, make the cross. Because I think it was towards the second half, he did do that. And it's just he just need he just needs to get it into his head. Just basically take a deep breath and take the cross. I think he just gets stuck into this, do I wanna beat my man, do I want to cross, do I wanna step back? He's just he's got too many things going on in his head. Um oh, man, Matic is a good shout. But again, I'm just thinking he did play such a limited amount. But again, let's look at the impact. If we're talking about what Pogba has done in a limited amount of time, you have to say the same for Matic. I thought we touched on it earlier. Coming influence he brought the ball out from the back and that gave the midfield more time, which, of course, transitions into the forward positions. I'm with you, Tom. Let's give it a Matic. Which is, is, can we just say, this is crazy, because if you thought, you know, October, November, he was gone. And now he's, I would say, he he is with Pogba, our most important midfielder.
1: I think think he wasn't only gone for us. I think he was gone for Solskjaer as well. I think Solskjaer had not, not had enough of him. But Solskjaer was planning for a future without him. And I think for whatever reason, he found himself back in the team. And um, credit to him.
0: On that, I think it's a good place to end it. Um, obviously, we'll be back. We'll review Sheffield United, maybe something else, whatever news pops up, maybe some Premier League. Who knows? Just depends how drunk we get when we eventually do get back to the pub. Tom, any comments from you before we wrap up?
1: No, a pleasure. Um, just so glad football is back and it didn't ruin my weekend because I'm telling you, as I opened the podcast with when Tottenham did score, I was um, looking for any way to sort of enter lockdown again. But um, it is good to have football back. And yeah, 9.30 kickoff tonight to to in Sydney to watch. I think it's Watford and Leicester. So definitely tune in to that before I obviously fall asleep on the couch.
0: All right, did you see enough from United to suggest we're finishing top four? Don't elaborate on it. I just want a yes or no answer.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think we looked good, so... Yeah, I don't think many teams will look stronger than us in the running. I think teams will maybe perform better, but I think um, in terms of that top four race, I think we'll be stronger than the teams around us.
0: We'll definitely discuss it as the weeks go on. It's great to have football back. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Please give us a review um, on your podcast app, Spotify, um, the Apple iTunes app, whatever you're on. Give us a like, give us a follow. Stay linked in with all the social medias. I'm Larry, that was Tom, and we'll see you in the next episode. Cheers.